Hello, Amit. Andrew, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, very good, mate. Very good. Another change of scenery? Yep. Uh, I just get uh, I get bored, you know, so I uh, decided to come from the Rove today. So I'm actually down the Rove downtown in Dubai. Um, okay, cool. But uh, yeah, in one of their breakout rooms. So um, nice. they've very kindly given me this space today. I was just checking if uh, if Paul Bridges uh, joined the show today so we could hammer him about sponsorship again. Yeah, I, yeah, it's getting a bit tiring. I mean, we keep mentioning them every single show, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I mean, I've got a pretty good view actually. So if I get distracted, you need to tell me because basically there is a swimming pool uh, over here. Amazing. So if you see Amazing. my eyes kind of keep darting over that way, I'm just making sure that people are right in the pool, just just kind of yeah. a bit of light saving, you know, that's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? How's your week been? Public safety. Yeah, very good. Very good. Super busy, but yeah, very good actually. Uh, yourself? Uh, good. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I'm out and about because people are starting to kind of meet in person again. So, you know, to get back to the office or kind of dive in here, this was the window. So I decided to decided to, to crack on with that. But um, welcome to everyone else as well. Hope you've had a good week. Uh, thank you for joining us. We can see some people uh, pulling in. We've got some regulars now that kind of tune in every week. Uh, super happy and pleased about that. And obviously, we know this goes out across uh, not only YouTube, our website, but we now host this as a podcast. So, uh, you know, we're, we're getting kind of uh, different views across different platforms now, which is quite exciting. Uh, so, yeah, we've got so some, yeah, we've got some kind of people who are kind of watching us on YouTube from from all over the place. It's really, it's really interesting, actually. Yeah, I yeah, genuinely still cool. think they're tuning in to see your beard, mate, if I'm honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I'm standing up today, so it should be better. It's kind of, uh, yeah, you get the, all the glory. That's what it is. But I'll, I'll just trim it off just here. Fantastic. So what are we, uh, what are we talking about today, Amit? Okay, well, so today I think is, is quite interesting, mate. And I think this is, you know, if I kind of go back to um, maybe some of our journey over the last maybe seven or eight years, or perhaps even slightly longer. Um, actually, Maybe maybe we can talk about when we first met Andrew because like, again it was talking about salespeople right we used to have this yeah. we used to like kind of meet up quarterly just to moan about basically our sales teams and like, you're a, you're you're in a different company at that time and obviously I was yeah. I was at Nexa um, but essentially that's how we started talking right because we we're both I guess in the marketing world at that point and yeah. Um, and yeah this kind of quarterly. Uh, moaning session Moan that we fit. used to kind of well, man, that was exactly it, right? That's where we used to yeah. come together. And yeah, that's, almost, how, that's how we bonded. We bonded over a, a collective misunderstanding of of kind of yeah, sales professionals, as it were, or commercial yeah. people. So I think that was it. Yeah, that was actually yeah, that was. I mean, going back, that was the um, obviously you know what works, right? You know, do you do you kind of have an internal sales team? Do you have an external sales team? Yeah. Uh, are they talking to marketing? How are they operating? Yeah, we used to we used to have uh, you know a good good and tell you how old school it was. It was in Moore Cafe in uh, in Kahoot, which is now a hospital, I believe. Um, so it doesn't <laughs> doesn't even exist anymore. Wow. Okay. No, but I mean, I think you know, I think kind of tells a story, right? Because you know, almost yeah. what ten years on now, or more actually, yeah. it's probably about twelve years on. With with you know, sales and marketing is still that that topic of sort of heated discussion, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, but but I guess if we if we look at it from a kind of digital sense, um, I know I know on a show we've previously kind of spoken about the zero moment of truth, 
Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that's that's a study, and it's a study which is about ten years old now, which was originated by um, Google and Forrester, and that zero moment of truth study, um, you know, really kind of, I guess, defines that challenge of a predicament that that kind of companies face when it comes to sales and marketing, right? Because yeah. essentially, what that study shows is that, or what it showed back, you know, ten years ago, is that your average consumer at that time would be 70% of the way through that purchasing um, cycle, right? Yeah. Before they make themselves visible to a salesperson. So that's whether they kind of walk into a showroom, pick up the phone, that's uh, right. fill out a fill form, out form online. Yeah. And, and, and I guess what we were talking about is kind of what happens in that kind of 70% phase prior to that, or the pre 70% yeah. phase, when, when these guys are pretty much invisible, right? Yeah. You know, and, we, and you know, and, and I guess what we were talking about back then is that look, people are empowered. They they go online, they do their own research. But I guess yeah. the challenge is the challenge is, and I think you know, first and foremost, the fact that we're still talking about zero moment of truth, ten years on, ten years I think down the just line, shows, yeah. yeah, just shows how valid it was. And I think in in the kind of COVID era, it's even more valid, right? Because I'm pretty yeah. sure now with digital sales, you know, perhaps people are even ninety percent of the way through that journey before they want to speak to speak to salesperson yeah yeah definitely i mean if there was still some kind of old school people if we take the car you know analogy that would go and visit the car showroom blind just hey what have you got um those people couldn't do that in the last few months so they they're forced to go and watch youtube videos they're they're kind of forced to go and understand and also i mean we've seen we've seen a few of the uh, organizations in the automotive industry now it's purely online no touch you know you, you yeah. kind of do the virtual uh, virtual look around, virtual walk around of the of the showroom, and then buy the car ultimately without even stepping foot in the showroom. Yeah, and so you know, so things are things are obviously you know changing, and I think you know, I think what's also you know, for one for one challenge, I think we always faced with this was actually the consumer doesn't really care, right? Does the consumer care? Whether, you know, whether it's marketing or whether it's a sales touch point. I mean, you know, they they're looking to buy a product or a service, and essentially what they want is just to speak to the best possible or the most qualified person yeah. or kind of engage in that most kind of streamlined process that allows them to do what they want to do. You know, exactly. and I think, and I think the challenge that we face is companies have almost that kind of look, this is sales, this is marketing. Yeah. Whereas consumer just doesn't care. And I think, and I think this is that, this is that kind of era that we're in right now where, where, you know, companies need to kind of address this, right? Yeah, totally. You're hundred percent right. They, from a usage perspective, I'm not fussed who I'm talking to as long as they're qualified, as you say, to answer or help me, uh, you know, in, in my inquiry. Um, whereas still, you know, we, we, we kind of in a, in a business world, it, it's, it's basically, you know, this is marketing's role and sales role. Look, even, you know, when we think lead gen, so we talk about lead generation and we, we frame some of this around lead generation, but well, who's responsible for that? Is it marketing or is it sales? I mean, yeah. traditionally it'll be, okay, well, marketing look after lead generation and then we hand it to sales to close it. But again, that's, that dynamic is shifting as well, right? It's not about, it's, it's not black and white anymore. Has to be, no, has to be kind of blending. Absolutely. And I think on that note, mate, should we, uh, I think we should let James in, right? Just kind of hang Our in special there, guest. Basically. That's it. Right. Yeah. What would have been more comical is if we didn't introduce him and we just spoke for the next 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so I've been listening sure to you two uh, chats about nonsense for the last 10 minutes. 
kind of gagging to come into this conversation and, and bring a little bit of normality into it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Remember, so, we, do, yeah. we do have the power to remove you, my friend. So, <laughs> I can only imagine what you were talking about 10 years ago, though, and, and uh, yeah, I only imagine. I, I think it was very similar to probably something that we'd have a conversation around today. Me talking yeah. about I need to lose a bit of weight, um, you know, go, got to look after myself, got to take care, you know, all, the, all these kind of things. I think, I think the conversation probably hasn't changed. It's just that for whatever reason yeah. now, we're usually in the pub. Not, uh, <laughs> not, 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 not more cafe. <laughs> Speak for yourself, um, Andre. Speak for yourself. Yes, of course. Of course yeah, James, I mean, look, do you, do you, we, we obviously, uh, we were going to introduce you, but I think we'll leave the introduction uh, to you, my friend. So if you'd like to, you know, kind of tell us who you are, um, that'd be great. Uh, kind of a bit of a journey as far as coming to the point today. And, and then uh, that would be a nice lift off for us, I think, mate. Yeah. Okay. So um, I've been in Dubai now for about 17 years. Um, my entire career has been in the sales kind of parts of, of the business. Spent 10 years at Dell, of which three were over here. Then I spent about 11 years at The Entertainer, helping them with their, their development of the business, the international expansion, the white label in products. Again, in the sales business development role. And then three years ago, started uh, Pipeline. Uh, so Pipeline Business Growth Services, where we found a little bit of a, or, or we thought we'd found a niche, and I think we have found a niche in terms of a lot of businesses were outsourcing HR, IT, um finance etc and the, and from my point of view where i call it the unsexy part of the kind of sales piece um whereas you guys are very lucky to do the sexy part um in terms first of first time that word's ever been used in me and Amit, but well done <laughs> yeah well, it's fair, you did ask me to say that um, but um but in terms of yeah so, so i found a niche in terms of where where smes small businesses large businesses enterprise businesses um, they sometimes struggle to find the right person. They've, they've either got limited resources or they've got specific people doing specific jobs. And people sometimes forget about the lead generation piece. Um, when I first went into Pipeline, it was never looking to do what you guys do. So from the digital piece, because um, obviously I look reasonably young, but I am an absolute idiot when it comes to the technical piece of things, generally. Um, so I was, I was very... Um, keen and, and, and set upon the, the way that I've always done it from the early Dell days from the internal sales through to the latter part of the, of the other stuff I mentioned where it was face-to-face -face or voice-to-voice -voice where we would take the almost the last yard when it came to lead generation. So um, I know we're going to talk about it more as we kind of progress this, this chat yeah. today. But it's about, okay, how do you find the right person to talk to? How do you find there's a, there's a need, there's a requirement, there's a budget, there's a timeline? Etc. Etc. Because that's the time and effort that, to be honest, people really can't be bothered with. A lot of the time, people just expect sales to fall in. And I think mm. the conversation that we've had over the last probably 12 months, Amit and Andrew, in terms of how we can link kind of doing stuff, because you've got the marketing, and this is the marketing sales. What comes first? Kind of who's the tail, who's the dog, kind of thing. Um, and we quickly found that there is a massive requirement. Um, from a point of view of speaking to people. Um, and when you say speaking to people, because in this day and age of the digital age, you get inundated with adverts on Facebook, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. You get emails through, and, it, and it's, it's sometimes tough to actually clear the mist in terms of what's important and what's not important. 
Um, although you may remember some stuff. So if you get a phone call and go, hi, I'm calling from X, something will trigger in the mind that you may have got an email, you may have got a trigger on social, on LinkedIn, et cetera. So what we're trying to do is, is, is bridge that gap between the digital age and the non-digital age. Oh, and so, so from a pipeline perspective, what are those kind of core services, James? So I think just for a bit more context for, for people watching. Um, so, so, so the core service is really the ends lead generation piece where we would do data build, we'd do email marketing, um, we would do kind of specific campaigns with specific scripts. One of the pieces that I actually enjoy the most about this role is when we sit down with a customer uh, for an onboarding session and ask them some very simple questions. And it generally starts with why. Like, why are you doing this? Why is this the market you're going after? Why are you looking at that price? And a lot of the times people don't know the answers to that because they've been in the business for so long or they're a startup or what have you. Everyone is looking at their own product. And that's why a lot of people fail is because they're looking at their own products and not looking at their competitors, not looking at the market, uh, not looking at the price points. And out of that two, three, four hour workshop, often comes a different strategy from when the customer came into the room because they actually have a light bulb moment. And I think that's part of, of the value add that we bring to it. It's not just giving you leads, but actually it's going, well, why don't we maybe do some A-B testing? Let's do some lead generation on the market you think you can go after. And why don't we do some B testing on the market we think you can go after? And, and let's see the difference. Uh, let's look at the price points. Maybe you're too cheap. Let's look at your competition. Who are they going after? So we asked some reasonably simple questions, but some of them can be quite difficult to answer because people just haven't been asking themselves those questions. Um, because I always, I always go back to the time when I was running a sales team in the Netherlands, the Dell. In the UK, you can say, do this, and people will do it, and they'll grumble and stab you behind the back, and, and they'll do it, but they won't do it with a way that they actually want to be doing it, and they'll be talking behind your back. Whereas Netherlands, when you say, please do that, they go, why? And that really, for me, just made me realize that any decision I'm making or any question I'm asking a team or a um, colleague or someone to do, I have to ask myself the question before that and, and answer, okay, why do I want them to do it? And there's three or four reasons why, so you can back it up rather than just throwing out questions that a lot of people often do. Okay. All right. Great. No, I think that really helps. So I think one, one of the services that you guys do in, in terms of the lead generation is, is more kind of traditional, right? In terms of, you mentioned that you don't yeah. want to go down the, the digital route, but, yeah. but you guys kind of do, uh, do some of the old school kind of picking up the telephone. Yeah. Work Sorry. Well, I should right? have, well, that's what we do to be honest. I've, I've, I've waffled around, my time in Amsterdam and what have you, but never mind. But yeah, we literally have a- have That's where you went off on a tangent. Exactly, I was just thinking of the Hallison days of Amsterdam, <laughs> the canals. But, um, but um, in terms of, yeah, we are literally the, the, the end of the sales process. To be honest, everybody hates to do, but everyone knows they need to do it. And whether that is themselves or somebody else like us. So we pick up the phone and call people, we go through, gatekeepers we speak to the right people so this is the this is the high touch piece where we have to get the pitch correct we have to get the elevator pitch correct we have to make sure we've got answers to any objections we have to ask people the right questions so that's all part of what we do on, on the on the onboarding piece where it is the it's the end that nobody likes but there's a bit of a science behind it it's what i've done for 15 20 years now 20 years 
in terms of there's a bit of science behind it and it's just it's simple things of how do you ask for somebody you don't ask for someone's full name you just ask for the first name pretend you know them if you're going through a gatekeeper so all that sort of stuff all the little tricks that to be honest, we do day in day out um and it's one th and again when i say we do lead generation i often use the analogy of we'll take the horse to about 10 foot to the water because we're never going to make the horse drink at this stage but we'll take it to a level where when we have arranged the meeting or the callback, when they receive that from the client of ours, the customer or the potential customer will know the product, know why they're calling, they're interested in the product, uh, the timing's correct, and timing can depend on different products. So insurance might be six, nine, 12 months out, ERP may be longer out, or if you're selling a widget, it might be a month out. So we make sure that we, we do all that Kind of beforehand so we know when we're booking the lead it's a lead that's relevant to the uh, to the client yeah i think i think just to go back to an earlier point you made i think when we first met must have been close to a couple of years ago now and um and actually i was just really kind of intrigued as to what your business was because you know we're we're used to a new digital agency setting yeah. up shop here every week right um but i think it was one of my colleagues um and, and he said, look, I'm speaking to a company at the moment. And actually what they've set up is a sales business. And part of that business is, is based around sort of telesales and, and telemarketing. And I was like, okay, well, this, this is actually really interesting, especially because of that lead generation overlap. Because obviously, you know, what we've been doing for, for many years is, is digital lead generation, right? Pretty much what you're, uh, you know, you're talking about in terms of, you know, social campaigns and all of that kind of, you know, I'd say quite, quite, busy you know set of activities at the moment which you know everyone seems to be doing and i guess when i came across what your business did i found it really interesting but a in this day and age somebody still felt that there was a value in that kind of telesales personal touch because again if i go back to some of mine and andrew's conversations you know i think a lot of our frustration would come from generating leads for clients and essentially the client's not really knowing what to do with them Right, so we'd, yeah. we'd, we'd, qual yeah. we'd qualify them using yeah. digital technology, but actually, you know, when they, all they had to do was really then pick up the phone and, and start communicating, that's where we saw that that was where there was a bit of a struggle. And, yeah. and so, you, you know, you're absolutely right. People, people don't really like doing it. But essentially, I think part of the reason why digital marketing has taken off the way it has is because it kind of plays to that role, right? Nobody likes doing it, so here's a solution yeah, you know that that means that you don't have to do it. Whereas, like what you said, this is this is important. You need to do this, and and the only way genuinely you're going to build a relationship with someone is by engaging and speaking with them, right? Yeah, correct. And I think and that's really where, and I say my strong point is on is on the offline piece, um, and and you'll have seen it as well in terms of everyone wants to talk digital. Everyone is digital, digital, digital. You've been in the market for a long time. You've seen people come and go, um, and. And I know we're going to get onto it later, but in terms of the proposition between online and offline is very different, but the proposition between online and offline together um, is pretty unique. And kind of my strength lies in that, or our strength, pipeline strength lies in the, in the offline piece. Um, because people still like to be spoken to. Yeah, um, I, I, think, I think as well, you, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head though with the, the kind of workshop you're doing. It, there isn't only that kind of the, the part of the job that people don't like. Frankly, people are, are just not, no, they don't know the basics, right? Yeah. So even from, from a, 
from a kind of clothes perspective or from a qualification perspective, you've got a, a whole host of sales teams that are effectively burning through time um, and money and resource are chasing their tail, right? Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think that sales enablement piece and kind of understanding process, understanding, you know, the pipeline or the forecast. I mean, some of these things still to this day in this part of the world, they're non-existent, right? I think you, you've kind of stumbled across this when you go in and have these workshops, right? Yeah, totally. And, 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 and a good example is, is, is kind of what you're doing in terms of creating leads. There's a number of businesses we've worked with historically where they've gone, we've run an amazing digital campaign and we've got a thousand leads. And you're like, okay, what are you doing with them? You're going, well, we haven't got time to call them. So, <laughs> so, 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 so the reality is that they've spent, and digital is more expensive than the stuff I do, but um, in terms of, you go, okay, you've spent $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 getting people interested, and someone spent time putting the name and details in or what have you. And if you don't call them back within a couple of days, you've lost them, and it's wasted money. And that's to yeah. say where we come in when it comes, because end of the day, you may, okay, whether it's a digital campaign, you put your details in, you want to be spoken to, because you may be interested, you want to be, because you can't go through the whole sales pipeline through forms. Yeah, it works to a level and it, and it pulls people yeah. down the pipeline and through the funnel. But I think there's, like, I still believe there is a requirement for what, um, for what we're doing, just from the personal side of things. Yeah, and I think, I think that goes to the point of there, there's two different types of leads, right? And, and I guess, you know, when we're looking at that kind of digital marketing world, you know, the leads that we typically produce um, from campaigns, whether that's social media, whether that's Google, um, these are really kind of marketing qualified leads, right? These are, these are the kinds of leads, um, you know, where essentially someone's shown some level of intent, they've maybe downloaded some content, they want some more information, but essentially that's still not, that's still not qualified. And, and there's, you know, and I think the way that we obviously define things, and we've spoken about this on this show as well, is, you know, there is a big difference between sort of marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads. Yeah. But Andrew, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, and then James as well, but I mean, the amount of times when we go into organizations to have these kinds of conversations, people actually don't know the difference between the two, right? Yeah. They, they kind of yeah. class leads as the same. They're like leads are leads. Leads right? are leads, yeah. And, and, you know, we actually spend quite a lot of time sort of educating people into the, in terms of a difference because there's a vast, there's a vast absolute difference between, between the two. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, I, I think... The, the, the kind of terminology is just leads or inquiries, right? So, so that kind of, then they get bundled into, into the same thing. And as we know, you know, only 5% of, you know, those, those inquiries at any one time are going to be probably want something right now. Um, and the challenge is again, from a marketing sales handoff, most salespeople want to sell right now, right? Unless you said, obviously you've got a long sales cycle or whatever, but people want to deal with something right now. So then you've got a conflict between, the kind of business ownership or brand ownership and, and sales individuals who, who basically will, will focus their energies and effort on, you know, possibly someone that's going to close tomorrow versus something that might be bigger down the line as well. So, you know, all, all, all leads are not treated equally or not created equally. However, they are treated equally. So they're, they're treated exactly the same. And I think that that's one of those first conversations that we have uh, you know, with, with prospects and, and clients that is, look, you know, just because we run a campaign doesn't this, just because somebody has seen an ad, um, interacted with that ad, gone to a landing page, filled out a form and asked to be called, even when you call them, they might say, I didn't ask to be called. 
right? So, you know, you've got some challenges to get to get thrown thrown through. So I think it's just an education piece. We should just before we jump in, James, the um I should say we've had a couple of people raise their hands and stuff. If you've got questions, write a question, guys. We've got we've got a few questions that have come in already and we'll answer them when when we kind of go through the process. Or you can jump on the chat and we we're, we all see that guys. So we probably didn't say that. Uh, another person's raised their hand. Cool, good stuff. I like it. Uh, but you can also chat and, and kind of go on the Q&A as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, what do you think, James? You know, this this kind of qualification process and the kind of MQLs and SQLs. Yeah. Well, I think that's really the – that's been the biggest struggle for us because, to be honest, you can get MQLs, and, and, this, isn't, and this isn't from you, but MQLs haven't been really done that well very, 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 very cheaply from anywhere. And yeah. That's what the market's used to. You say, well, I can, I can get 600 leads. I don't even say MQLs. I can get 600 leads yeah. for $500. And it's like, well, go on then. Go, go for your life. And, go for and it, yeah. It will waste your time most of the time. I'm not saying every time, but most of the time, where kind of I'm saying the fact that we're providing leads. And it's really only since speaking to you guys, it, it is actually market qualified leads versus sales qualified like the amount of effort and time to get a sales qualified lead, if there's no MQLs coming into the pipeline to help that, is quite substantial. You could pull a, a campaign on Facebook now and have 100 leads in about 20 minutes if you extend the audience to a large enough audience, a geography to a large enough geography. And I know a couple of towns in, in Asia where there's 25,000 people look, looking to inquire about your product. But um, <laughs> to be honest, and... And that's the reality is, is that unless you choose a, a company who knows what they're doing, and, and this really kind of, again, probably fits more with you guys than me at the moment in terms of there's 900,000 digital agencies saying they can do leads. But the reality is, are they quality leads versus kind of quantitative leads? And some, people's, some people have the kind of the rugs pull over their eyes and all that kind of stuff by going, well, I can get these leads for that price. And that puts us on the back foot because we're trying to compete against a non-level playing field kind of scenario um yeah and talking about actual i'm actually hiring people i'm actually getting people to talk i'm actually doing this that's why mine's a bit more expensive and da, da, da. well it's some people get it some people don't get it and that's what we're trying to do and is is re-educate people going you would rather have two incredible leads that's been properly qualified you know exactly who you're talking to there's absolute opportunity and a thousand leads of somebody who, to be honest, you've got no idea whether they're buying or not buying. And then you haven't got the capabilities of dealing with a thousand anyway. Correct. Yeah. And you'll miss that one as well. And in the thousand, there may be one amazing one, but there's so many you get lost in and go, do you know what? I can't be bothered. And yeah. you've lost them. Yeah. And I, think, and I think that's a really kind of, um, that's a really kind of big issue when, when I think companies are kind of almost focusing just on that digital learning approach because they want a the volume of leads. And I think, I think a lot of this still comes down to, you know, people looking at wrong metrics. We, we had a whole show on wrong metrics last week. Um, but, but essentially, you know, if you're, if you're in charge of marketing, you know, perhaps, perhaps what they're being asked is how many leads have been generated this week through marketing efforts, right? And, you know, and if they say, right, it's 100, they're going to get a pat on the back. But if they say it's two, perhaps not. Yeah. You know, and, and I think this is part of that challenge because, again, back to your point, James, you know, that those two leads might be, you know, 100% qualified and both of them may end up becoming a customer. Whereas yeah. you may waste your time with, you know, without 100 and not get anywhere. Yeah. 
and and I think so. I think there's kind of a lot of re-education that almost needs to be kind of done. And I think that that goes from kind of decision makers, leaders, and perhaps or even all the way through to kind of marketing people and salespeople. Because again, in our world, you know, we we kind of speak to a lot of sales directors who don't really want to speak to us because they want marketing to deal with what we do. But for us, we we want to know if leads that are being generated through sort of digital channels are qualified or not. And and more often than not. We just get the, yep, you know, some are good, some are bad. You know, some people aren't picking up the phone. But again, from our perspective, that's that's their job, right? We've we've done our bit. You've got yeah. to, you know, you've got to. And, and again, we've sat in we've sat in huge meetings where the sales director has been like, well, we've got a policy of, we'll try once or twice, and if they don't pick up, that means they're not interested. And um, and honestly, we just sat there, you know, kind of almost dumbstruck because it just, you know, like how does that how does that even work, right? But um. But yeah, I think I think I think it's fascinating in terms of in terms of that. But James, you yeah, know, I think you're, go on, go on, Andrew. No, I was just going to say, I think there's there's a reluctance sometimes, right? So I, I think the thing is, there's there's almost, you know, you can get a bit greedy in the sense that if you can just sit here and kind of take these leads and take these leads, take these leads, it's quite easy just to dismiss, you know, the quality of them, right? Um, because as you said, they may not going back to some of the other challenges that the organizations have, they may not have a sales process in place. You know, it's laughable the amount of organizations that have a CRM here. Um, you know, that everyone's CRM is, is an Excel sheet or post-it note stuck all over their desk. Um, so, so some of the, it's almost like where from a marketing piece, technology has come involved and people have been involved, but from, from a sales perspective, there is some still incredible basic sales skills that are just not being leveraged because they're not given the tools. And, and the way these tools are presented to them is we're going to track this, we're going to track that, we're going to, you know, make sure you're making your calls. And I'm like, well, hold on a minute. I don't want to, when it's not about that, it's about kind of simplifying their life. And ultimately, as you said, quality versus quantity, right? And Andrew, I think that's back, kind of, that's critical from a sales perspective. Um, you need ownership. Um, and I think that um, for, and again, I'm a salesperson, so I hate administration, administration, I hate all that stuff. But the reality is that as long as there's ownership along a sales pipeline, because you can't just let a salesperson run off and say, and meet them again in a month's time and say, what have you closed? There has to be, if you know they're watching you and you're watching them and, and there is an ownership in a CRM, then you can track what, and this isn't a big brother, although it can be big brother, but it's, it's just bringing the best practice into a site because sales is a science. Yeah. You have to look at, okay, you talk to someone first, you've got a 10% chance, then you kind of send a proposal, then you talk about it, then da -da 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 -da, all the way through. And there's different ways to deal with every single different level. But you need to understand what level an opportunity is at. Is it an MQL? And then, okay, if it's an MQL, how far down that line is it? Then is it an SQL? If it's an SQL, where is it at on the sales qualified lead? Is it right at the beginning? Is it right at the end? And, and these are all the processes that, to be honest, an Excel spreadsheet, unless you're a genius, can't do that. You do need some kind of technology that, and again, we're not, we're not going to build something, but you use a CRM that is in the markets, which is obviously um, HubSpot that we're using as well. But, um, and it makes your life easier because then you can see a, for me, you've got the, the bird's eye view of your business in a snapshot. So you know what's going on. If someone asks you, and, and, and which is critical. I think, I think using technology in a CRM as well, you know, removes that emotion piece. Because there is that kind of clash between the marketing and sales where it's like, you know, these leads you're providing me are rubbish, right? Well, no, they're not rubbish. You're just not handling them properly. And I think yep. this obviously having a centralized system like a CRM 
or some other kind of technology in place just allows people to see actually what's happened. So, you know, this individual, even prior to calling them, even if you tried to call them three times, instead of kind of, you know, forgetting them, I know this guy's, you know, his lead score is phenomenal, right? You know, they've got, he's been to the website five times. He's opened my proposal three times, you know, unless he's really teasing me, right? Or she's teasing me, as it were. Um, you know, it's, it's really basically, you know, what, what's going on here, right? So, so I, th I think the thing is that, that that's also helped to, to understand and, and improve process, right? Yeah, agree. We've got, uh, we've got a question there. I, mean, I don't know if you want to jump on a question that just popped in or go on and do it after. Sure. Yeah, I was, I was just going to, yeah, let's, let's, let's take that up. I think, well, actually, it's a question, I think, for you, James, um, and it comes from uh, Lana, and it's, uh, what kind of clients do you work with? So actually, so that's an important question. So is this, is this kind of like an SME offering, or is this kind of more enterprise-focused? I mean, wh wh where is that kind of, you know, who needs this service more than anyone, I guess? Well, I've kind of, um, Pipeline was started initially as an SME because we're thinking big companies have got the big sales forces and all this kind of great stuff and it was very much an SME focused product. Over the last two years, it's become very clear that it's not only an SME product, it, 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 it goes across the whole kind of scale and size. We work with multinational FTSE 100 companies, NASDAQ listed companies um, who, who need leads all the way down to small businesses. Yeah. Um, and we're also industry agnostic to a level. Um, there's certain products we wouldn't sell and couldn't sell, et cetera. But in terms of, for, again, I use the analogy of when I used to work for Dell. Um, I could talk about a, a gray box, but I, I didn't have a clue about what was going inside it, but I could, get, I could get in front of the right person to talk about it. And then if they kind of ask the technical questions, I'd bring in one of my technical people. So we're kind of that frontline sales where we'd get the initial interest and you can be selling widgets, pipes, um, ERP software, kind of properties, et cetera. As long as we have that, the right information to get the hook, it's important to have the hook, the USP. What makes you different to your, because too many businesses don't have a differentiator, don't have a USP where unfortunately you'll be kind of running uphill in treacle if, if you can't differentiate, uh, differentiate yourself in the marketplace because it's a so what. So what about your product because you're not doing anything different. So as long as we have a so what differentiator, a USP, then to be honest, we can open up just about any type of um, type of product. Okay, and that's because there's a follow-up question to that as well, which is, so there's an assumption that, you know, this form of kind of lead generation is only needed for services and products that don't sell well online. Um, is, do you reckon that's the case or is this really applicable to most, most businesses then? What? Um, we're focused on B2B, to be honest. Okay. So I think the B2C piece is something that we've, we've spoken about and we're, we're entering it in a, small, in a small way for a specific niche product that we're doing at the moment, but it is B2B. Um, so like, would we sell trainers? Probably not, to be honest. It, it's, I, think there is a, I think there's a very clear line between the B2B and B2C. And then within B2C, 50, 60, 70, 80% maybe is probably not applicable for us. Mm -hmm. There's, there will be opportunities to, uh, to do like a B2C play, but um, our focus is B2B, so business to business. Um, we do need that, that FaceTime, that voice time, um, et cetera. And, uh, and we're, like, we're selling cloud services. So we're selling cloud services 
into Canada at the moment over the phone from Dubai. So that shows kind of how kind of versatile the offering can be. So we're calling from Dubai, calling a different time zone into Canada around Google Cloud Services. So I'm doing it really well and being successful with it. Yeah, and I think you said there as well, I mean, from that initial thought process that those enterprise layer clients, you know, have got a sales force or they've got this or they've got a lead machine or they've got anything. I mean, it's just not the case, right? Or a lot of the time they, they don't have the capability or the desire to, to, to kind of, you know, activate a whole team with all of the other things that are associated with that from a human resources perspective, yeah. a cost perspective, right? I was really surprised at the amount of large businesses that we've spoken to over the last 12, 18 months who use large call centers um, in terms of like, like very surprised in terms of the, the outsourcing of the stuff they don't want to be doing. They're not the non-sexy stuff as we call it. Um, and that really kind of pricked my ears up in terms of the interest going, actually, well, I know what I'm doing. I'm not a call center of 500 people, but I'm, I'm a call center who, who does well, I can't call it a call center, I don't know what I'm called, but in terms of we do lead generation well and we know what we're doing. Um, we can be multilingual, et cetera. And, and it is surprising because of the fact that when, and again, this is me being on the business and probably being in the business too early by going, we are only an SME uh, focused business because that's where I think they want our services. Whereas actually when you've asked a few questions and a couple of people talk to you about it, you go, oh, really? Like enterprise will actually want this product. Uh, and the business has evolved now where probably 80% of my business is from the enterprise side of, of the scale versus the SME. Because we're not, sure. say we're not cheap. We're not expensive, but we're not cheap. So you can get cheaper lead generated services from elsewhere. Um, but from my point of view, it's the quality versus the kind of quantity. Yeah. And this, I mean, over the last sort of six months or so, we've obviously seen sort of dramatic change in terms of how how people sell now yeah. um you know obviously the pandemic's been been a major sort of you know factor within that but how how does i mean so how does pipeline really support businesses like um you know those who you know perhaps sold in a completely different way previously and i guess if we're looking at enterprise i, I guess there used to be maybe an over-reliance on things like trade shows and exhibitions yeah. and things like that i mean in, how, you know how does that sort of impact you what you know what about those companies who are perhaps, I don't know, they perhaps got a shortfall of leads right now. Is this something where Pipeline can come in and fill that, fill that gap or plug that gap? It, um, it is. Um, I think uh, kind of from my point of view, <clears throat> that's really your biggest opportunity from a Nexa. Because, okay, how do you, like, because people are spending millions or hundreds of thousands, if not millions on building big stands in the trade center or in wherever, da, da, da. and that was the normal nine months ago. So what is the new normal now? You can do a virtual conference or a virtual get together with New York, London, Dubai, Sydney, blah, 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 have a far more productive, a productive um, session, week, whatever. Because I know ATM was done digitally this year for the first time. Um, I think Jitex will be a mixture of both. But a lot of people spend a lot of money on travel, on building stuff. And, and actually not talk to the right people. The focus here is we can create through digital and offline, we can create virtual stuff. And I don't like using stuff, but virtual things that will, will act as a, a, a better route to market potentially, because 
certainly what I found, like nine months ago, we're all traveling to Bahrain for a meeting and you'd be up yeah. for two days. Uh, and that was the normal. The new normal now is we'll do, we'll do five Zoom calls in a day with Bahrain, Qatar, Saudi, Oman, and somewhere else. You're far more productive and you're not chasing your tail. And I think that, okay, trade shows aren't going to go away, but I think that in terms of what we can do, bringing people together, talking to the right person, it's far more cost effective and you get to the right person at the right time. Um, certainly in the last five or six months, we've spoken to more people far easier because people are open to that conversation, te telephone conversation or a face-to-face -face Zoom conversation or Teams conversation now than they ever were because especially in this region, you had to do everything face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's, it's put well, it's it kind of the same everywhere because, oh yeah, I can't, I can't see you this week because I'm traveling to Singapore for a work conference. Now you look at the likes of Facebook and all these guys, they're not having more than 50 people in a room now until the end of 2021. So yeah. the world has changed. And I think it's changed for the better purely because it's a more efficient way of doing business. We, we all love a jolly. We all love a jolly. We all love going, but in terms of the efficiency of the business, in terms of how we can bring it together digitally and non-digitally, um, makes kind of makes more sense. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I think there's a there's a change in skill set as well. I mean, I think there's yeah. some there's some sales professionals that you know are reliant on that relationship sale for so long, uh, yeah. where it is go and have a coffee, you know, sit down, have a chat, um, versus you know very focused kind of conversation, as you said. I mean, the ability. I think you hit the nail on the head with two. One is the availability. So people just are more available now because they are not yeah. traveling. They're not bouncing. They're not on a plane. You know, we see a lot of regional travel and global travel here being, you know, a hub in Dubai where we're broadcasting from today. Um, so you've got that. And then also you've got, you know, the skill set as well is, is tough. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, when, when you know, this first kicked in, this was uncomfortable for me as well, right? Trying to, to kind of pitch to someone or to sell to someone in this environment um, it, it's learning new skills, right? To, to, to kind of see, you know, especially a bugbear of mine is camera, uh, not being able to kind of see someone if they're, if they're, you know, what the small, you know, kind of, uh, are they smiling? Are they leaning forward? Are they interested? Are they showing, you know, all of these things that over the years of face-to-face -face sales that we've relied on, um, that was taken away, right? Kind of overnight. I've seen your, um, and also seeing your own face in the camera as well is not the greatest. You mean just me personally, or just, yeah. yeah? Okay, thanks, mate. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, thanks. You can hide behind the beard now, though. You can kind of pull it round and. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I can. Uh, I can tie it up now. It's got to that point. Or I can just wear it as a mask. It's uh, it's, it's fine. The first Viking to mask. come out of. It's the first Viking to come out of COVID. <laughs> I think he was the first to enter COVID as well. In all fairness. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> I think just, just, I think just on that kind of, you know, that, that kind of digital sales piece, Andrew, um, you know, and I guess, I guess, you know, from both sides of it now, once, once leads are qualified, I guess that whole digital sales process is now very different again. Right. So, you know, again, you know, people used to, um, I mean, we, we still used to print off proposals, uh, in response to RFPs and all that kind of nonsense. Right. And, that, and, you know, all of that seems to have stopped, but, you know, in terms of actual changing how people, you know, create proposals now, Andrew, um, you know, the sales content that's kind of required as part of that kind of marketing piece. And then how that sort of crosses over into kind of James's world. And then what, what are your kind of thoughts about? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, 
because you know there is that lack of potential face-to-face -face or there is a change in the way that that we're kind of operating the the communication from a sales perspective is just um is far more uh, it needs to be far more kind of dynamic i'd say so the thing is that obviously we're now all spending our times on these screens um people want to kind of have more information available to them so previously you know, even ourselves would be sending just a simple proposal, perhaps a pricing document or commercials. Uh, but now there's a lot more content in there, right? You know, we use things like Panda Docs and, and things to create proposals where you can embed videos, you can embed images, you can embed pricing tables. Um, and also from a sales tool perspective, it allows you to track again, what's happening with that document. So instead of kind of, you know, fingers crossed, I've sent an email, who knows if I've opened an email, who knows if that proposal is being looked at, you know, these tools now allow us to see the interest level, right? We can see if someone's going back to open a proposal, we can see if someone's got your email, you can track everything now. So not only the way that we're presenting those commercials or those proposals, um, you know, a, 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 I'd say more visually appealing as opposed to a large word document. Um, you know, there's a lot more infographics in there. There's a lot more visual imagery to, to explain the process. Um, because you perhaps not have had two or three face-to-face -face meetings to get to that point of pricing. Um, but it's also just that tracking as well. And what that tracking does, is it does allow us to understand what people are looking at, you know? So instead of kind of producing these huge proposals, as you said, that perhaps were being printed off before, you know, shared, you know, you got a 60, 60 page document that no one ever read, but it just looked pretty good on a desk um, versus a one pager. Now we can kind of determine what people are doing, right? right. No, no, I think that makes sense. And I guess from your perspective, um, you know, James, you, you guys are obviously, you know, using different kind of digital touch points as well, you know, and, you know, how does, how does that kind of look in, in, in kind of your world? You know, what kind of content should companies really be using really to kind of facilitate that last mile lead generation process? Um, kind of from my point of view, it is the, Okay, what technology should they be using in terms of, like you've kind of answered the question there, Andrew, in terms of the proposals. If I get a 60 page proposal, it, it's, I read the first page and then good luck for the rest of it in terms of, yeah. but I've seen some stuff from you guys in terms of you've created a 60 page proposal digitally, but actually what you've done is you've created in a way that people can go to the interesting points to them, which is the first page and the pricing page and then stuff in between. Um, and you can see when people are interested. Our stuff is, again, is, is less technically driven other than the fact we, we kind of use the drip campaigns. So rich text rather than HTML. We can see when people have opened, clicked, landing pages, just the simple stuff without, without causing annoyance um, because we all get spammed. And, and I remember the good old days when Groupon launched and you were getting 45 emails a day from Groupon and I just wouldn't buy purposely because they annoyed the shit out of me. Excuse the language. <laughs> um, just because they were literally, and then, and then the other ones came along and it's just like, seriously, you're getting, my email box is full after an hour's meeting just of discount places. And, and that just becomes, and you have to be careful on that. That's again, more B2C or financial services because everybody's got, and going back to the telesales piece, everyone has an issue with, um, hi James, this is so-and-so calling from da -da 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 financial. Um, how are you? It's like, great, good. Um, they've been in Dubai a long time. Yep. You've called me 17 times over the last five years. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. And you get pissed off or a, a local bank or an international local bank kind of send you stuff in Arabic. It's like, I've been, your, I've been your customer for 10 years and you're still sending me stuff in Arabic. You have to be relevant and you have to be timely. Otherwise, we, 
we live such we lead such busy lives now that if it isn't relevant and it isn't timely, then you'll just switch off. Yeah, that, that makes total. Yeah. No, it makes makes makes. Sorry, sense. sorry, mate. I switched off. <laughs> I couldn't see your eyes closed for your beard. <laughs> So, so I guess like if we if we kind of look at this from a kind of market and the sales perspective, I think I think what would be kind of really useful for everyone at the moment is is really kind of understand that full journey, right? So, so if if we kind of say that you know what James and Pipeline do is that kind of you know that last piece of that sales process, you know, taking the horse or the ten, you know, ten meters to the water. Andrew, do you want to kind of go through that first, almost like that ideal scenario where essentially where we're combining, you know our world from that kind of digital marketing perspective and James's world and what, what does that kind of really look like you know from a kind of linear perspective from kind of start to finish yeah look I think I think there's um you know the ideal the ideal or dream scenario um is possible now right so I think first and foremost you know previously we would talk about this you know kind of mythical funnel and and it, it looks nice and and this is kind of what happens but I think the thing is now that you know, and we'll talk about it in a, in a bit, but, but we're practically doing that now for, you know, actively doing that, sorry, for clients. So, so from, a, from that kind of initial, uh, you know, audience targeting, the, the individuals that we want to have a conversation with, it's reaching out to them through, through kind of digital means, identifying them, um, driving them back into an initial point of contact, which is usually kind of a, a web a website or a landing page. Um, once those individuals start to fill out that information, they then kind of get dropped into this workflow or nurturing environment. Now, the, the beauty of that is that at any point, if they want to jump out and straight down to the bottom of the funnel uh, to have a conversation with the guys at Pipeline uh, and, and James and obviously his team, they can, or they can continue to be nurtured along this, this process. So essentially, you know, what happens is that these individuals have a kind of smooth journey but control their journey down the funnel, right? Um, so they're not interrupted, as, 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 as James said, they're, they're not distracted. Um, they get spoken to when they want to be spoken to. So, yeah. so, you know, where we're working collectively together at the moment, these individuals are being pulled down this funnel. And as soon as they want to have a conversation, or as soon as we believe that they look to be ripe for a conversation, and that again is back to tracking, it's back to lead scoring. If someone's going back to a website, downloading a another brochure or looking at a video or engage more and we feel like there's an opportunity and they want to reach out and have a conversation um, that that kind of falls all the way down to ultimately the point where there is that personal touch uh, back to James's piece when yeah. you know it's a real conversation that happens mm -hmm. and and collectively using all of that data so it isn't a blind call it isn't like um, you know hello mate like the financial services thing you know it's very much in front of you know James's team he's got an entire kind of history of that individual uh, so he can customize the conversation as well yeah. and then ultimately you know qualifying that and then that is what kind of gets handed over to a client right um, so, so you know yeah, so, so let's, let's go into your piece more so so if a lead essentially gets qualified and hand it over to your team, James. What's that kind of process typically look like? In terms of um, a, a handover from, say, you guys to us? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So marketing qualified lead and yeah. that needs to be converted. Well, well, this, to be honest, is, as I say, is the perfect, perfect kind of sales funnel um, bringing together the digital, non-digital. Um, 
Like your issues have been, you've been delivering lots of MQLs to customers who might not be happy because they're going there rubbish. It's like, well, I'm delivering what you've asked for. I'm struggling to get the quality of information into pipeline to generate leads. So in terms of when we're getting leads in from, from say you guys, um, the phone call is already a warm, semi-warm one because somebody is, has, has made an effort to put some kind of information or clicked on something um, so they understand it. So, hi, I'm calling from so-and-so. They go, oh, uh, you, you, you clicked on this website then or, or, you've, or you've put some information asking for some more information. Um, and then that's kind of, that opens up the whole thing. And I think that one of the differences between this solution and, and, and it's, it might not sound much, but the amount of leads that get lost or just go into a bin when say we call and go, are you interested in this product? No, not yet, maybe in a year or six months. Whether we say we're gonna do it or not, historically we've, we've kind of parked it and gone, we'll call them in six months. Will the client be with us in six months? Who knows, or will we remember, whatever. But the beauty of this is we can just start the cycle again. We can pass that lead back to you and, and then they start nurturing again. And, yeah. and it's a way that's in a nice way, non-obtrusive, so that you just don't miss out on opportunities because times are tough enough without missing out on opportunities. And if we can build the, I kind of call it the ecosystem, the sales ecosystem, the sales pipeline ecosystem, where you're getting the best of both worlds, digital, non-digital, and it goes from digital to non-digital, back to digital, over to non-digital, stays in digital a bit longer, but they're in the ecosystem all the time. And we know when they're gonna buy, we know when they're interested to buy, we know what's happened. And, and, I, and I think with the proposition that we've got, is it is very unique because you drop leads because the MQLs aren't good enough, we drop leads or they drop leads because of kind of other reasons, but together collectively, it's a pretty powerful statement to say, we can, we can find someone who has never heard of your product, put them through a process where they know your product, understand it, want to learn a bit more about it, are told about it, asked if they want a meeting or a call, the meeting and call takes place, da, 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 da. And that's 90% done is from our sales ecosystem. Right. And then it's going to come down to sort of price negotiation. But again, and that's things not like that, essentially. And that's not you. No, exactly. Because that is the, that's the 10 feet from the water scenario. Yeah. yeah. Again, that's part of the kind of conversations that kind of myself and Andrew can have with businesses in terms of, okay, we've passed you 15 leads this month of which it yeah. came from 600 MQLs. We've given you 15 qualified leads, but you've closed none. Why is that? Because the yeah. leads are rubbish. And we'll always get because the leads are rubbish but we can actually go into these businesses and sit down and go, okay, what, you tell me why the leads are rubbish. Well, I called him once and he didn't answer. Okay, people are busy. Let's, let's think about an alternative. Let's maybe, if you've got an address, drop an email, when can you? So that goes back to the, the, the sales environment. Everyone thinks if they can get a lead, it's easy to sell. It's, you've still got a job to do, um, but you have to have processes in place. You have to have systems in place. You have to have, management and structure and all that kind of good stuff in place because if we hand you a lead it's not just a you're going to call someone a close business yeah it's going to be um there's still work to be done but again we can help with that as well further down the line you know do you know i, I completely agree with you and i think it's, it's 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 such an important kind of process i think you know when you get that kind of marketing and sales alignment i mean like how both of you've just sort of described this um you know you're, you're basically eliminating a lot of uh I guess opportunities to potentially lose a good prospect, right? Yeah. And 
you know, and I think that's such a key part. And like you said, times are tough enough already without without sort of, you know, making it even worse in yourselves. But I, I genuinely feel, and again, this was one of the reasons why we were so keen on sort of partnering with Pipeline. And I just feel as if, and I mentioned this in the kind of email intros and things like that for the build up to this show, but I genuinely do feel as if almost we've gone a bit too far down the line with digital and we've lost that personal touch um, and that kind of important physical personal touch point which used to happen but again that over-reliance on digital for me is, is challenging and, and you know and, and it's difficult for me to kind of say that as someone who's probably been leading that movement right especially on a local level but the reality is you know I still love being spoken to by a good salesperson yeah the, the problem is most of those interactions are happening over really kind of poorly crafted emails and like what you said, you never want to work with them on the back of that. And, and, and I think this is the real opportunity. And it's almost like companies almost have to kind of revisit that strategy, bring some of that old with the new, because actually there was nothing wrong with the old way of doing things. It was just the new ways, just like you said, sexier, right? But we've kind of yeah. almost lost track of the things that actually really used to work. Billion dollar businesses have been built on the back of, you know, essentially the offline sales processes. And I think it's really key that if we can start to kind of marry that digital marketing and the offline piece, I think for companies, it's, it's really the way forward. Um, and there's a really good chance that most of their competitors aren't going to be doing this. I think, mean, you know, yeah. so, you know, I think mean, final words, guys, I think, you know, just, just any kind of tips for anyone who's out there in terms of perhaps what they should be focusing on. Um, any kind of words of wisdom other than uh, relevance. I think from my point of view, it's, it's, and I'll, I know we've done a couple of shows together, myself and Andrew, on, on, on the stuff. There's, you can waste a, a huge amount of money by thinking that doing digital advertising works. Um, unless you've got some, so, so you think, great, I'll send a Facebook and spend money. LinkedIn's expensive. If it's not done correctly with people who know what they're doing, you will waste money. And same with, kind of goes with the offline piece as well. And, and you have to look at your products from, a, from afar, from a top, and understand it first, because you need to understand your market, you need to understand your competitors, you need to know your price points, et cetera, SWOT analysis. Because if you don't know that, then you've got no hope. Well, not, I don't know, that's probably quite harsh, but in terms of there isn't much chance of you selling your product because you just don't know what you're competing against. And solve a problem. Yeah. Solve a problem, because too many people try to sell something when there isn't a problem. Try and find a problem yeah. for your product to fix it. No, no, yeah. makes, makes complete sense. Andrew, any final I, words? I, I, yeah, I think from a focus perspective, um, it's not a good idea to have a swimming pool in your eye line when you're doing a digital growth show. That's from a focus perspective. Um, but from a business perspective, I think that the biggest thing is um, really it's kind of organizing your own house and making sure your own house is in order. Cause we see it a lot to use a kind of restaurant analogy. You know, it's like, Hey, listen, come my new restaurant, my new restaurant, come around, you know, generate all this business and you open the doors and there's no food in there. Um, or people don't know how to serve you or you're kind of promoting a five-star service, but a one-star meal. So I, I think that that's, that's something that sometimes gets overlooked. There's an excitement associated to 
um, you know, the, the, the kind of lead gen or the kind of business process without kind of understanding what happens when, when these things do start coming through the door. And I think, you know, James put it there quite beautifully as far as that ecosystem. So, you know, there's, we talk about this a lot where it's like a lot of companies will do a firework approach. They'll like this big firework. Oh, it's really nice. And then sit back and then it's done. Right. But we prefer that fire where you're kind of stoking the fire, you're keeping it burning. You're, you're kind of pulling out, uh, you know, those, those decent amount of inquiries over a period of time. And you're not, you're not wasting anything at that point, you know, it, and again, back to the sexy point, it may not be as exciting, um, but from a business perspective, it's far more beneficial. Yeah. And obviously, no, totally Amit, last words. No, no, look, I'm, look, I'm totally with you guys. I think, I think the key is just really just, again, if I go back to maybe that original point is customers don't really care whether it's a marketing or sales touch yeah. point, right? They just need what yeah. they, they just want what they need. Yeah. And, yeah. and I guess it's up to companies to really kind of figure out, you know, where their strengths are, maybe look at partners who can maybe plug in the gaps where they perhaps don't have those strengths and really kind of focus on what they're good at. And I think for me, that's, that's really kind of important. And that's a key. I mean, everyone, should, you know, if we get that piece right and forget about the kind of sales and marketing divide and all of those elements, uh, you know, I, th I think we've got a much more sort of compelling picture here from a, from a customer's perspective, at least. But James, I think, look, thank you very much today, you know, for your time today and for joining us. Thank I you. think it's been really, really useful. Um, Andrew, where can everyone find us? And, and James, actually, where can everyone find you, first and foremost? Um, at home. Uh, no. <laughs> um, you don't want people rocking up at your home, do you, <laughs> no, no, true. Well, I've got five kids here at the moment, so please feel free to come in and take them off my hands. But no. Uh, um, our website is pipelinebdsolutions.com. I'm sure that's going to be all on the, on the stuff. Um, my, my emails and phone numbers, I think, can be distributed. Um, but in terms of, from my point of view, it's exciting to be working with Nexa on, on this and, and, and looking forward to speaking to a few of you who are on the call now to see what we can kind of help you with. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks to you guys, who, you know, those who send comments through. Uh, we've got a couple of questions that we'll take offline as well when we'll get back to you guys as well. But again, thanks for joining us. Andrew, where, where can people find us? Um, previous shows yep. and future shows? Yeah, we've got, so you can, um, on YouTube, we've got the Digital Growth Show um, now on podcasts, so it goes out as well. You can find us on Spotify, on Apple, on Google. Uh, anchor you can just search for the digital growth show and obviously you can connect with us on linkedin so you're kind of happy to jump on we usually get a whole host of in, uh, kind of connections after these shows so and by all means i mean obviously tune in next week again uh, for another live show or if you want to obviously you know uh, it's all recorded anyway so yeah thank you thank you james for today that was uh, that was great good session yeah, thank you Andre. good to see you yeah thanks guys and thanks for tuning in guys all right, Cheers. guys. See you, bye bye. All right. See you later, bye. guys.